Buzzkills Live, the show that is in active negotiations to trade Tucker Carlson for Brittany Griner. I'm Liz Winstead and joined as always by my co-host Moji Alabodale. Hey! And Marie Khan. Hello, everyone. On today's show, we're going to give you some updates on the latest in clinical closings and the abortion laws that have been blocked and talk about the incredible additional harm these bans are causing that is not making the headlines. Plus two incredible guests founder of the abortion storytelling collective, We Testify, Renee Brazy-Sherman is here to talk about how critically important changing the abortion conversation is to influencing policy. And we will rage about what the fuck the Dems and Biden are doing or not doing to stop the hemorrhaging of abortion access. And from the Betcha Sup pod, comedian and writer Millie Tamares joins us. Lots of pod. So let's just dive in and get to what's happening. Before we kick off some news stories, I just want to do a very quick breakdown of updates on what's happening as far as where you can get care. In the dead of night, last Friday night, after our pod dropped, the state of Texas reinstated the full bans, which is early Saturday morning, which means both clinics and funds totally closed. Um, Yesterday was an incredibly sad day for those of us who have been to Mississippi and worked tirelessly with the Jackson Women's Health Center and with the Pink House Defenders. The Pink House, the only clinic left in Mississippi, closed its doors. The Ohio six-week ban is now in effect. And even more Planned Parenthoods have decided to deny care for patients that live in states traveling to try to get care if if the states they live in have a bounty law. So check to see if your Planned Parenthood will be providing care um, because I don't know. Is that legal? It just seems Unclear? not legal. I don't it know. Like I mean, not legal. I'm not a lawyer, but I know that like if pot's not legal in the state I live in, I can go to Colorado and enjoy that pot. Yeah. And, and so you so, think if uh, yeah. if abortion's not legal in the state you leave, live in, you can go to another state and enjoy that abortion. And maybe it's because with medication abortion, it's not, you know, immediate, but couldn't they do aspiration abortions so that someone could have their abortions? I don't know. Or, or, you know, with take some of that sweet, sweet Bezos money and pay for their hotel. Look at that. Buy buy a hotel. Um, It just seems like pregnant people trust pregnant people. Yeah. I mean, it just feels very um, sus, but anyway, I just think if, if you look and you see that there's a Planned Parenthood near you, make sure that you're in, in, in you're traveling from a state that has hostile laws, um, call that place and find out if they will do the procedure. Um, there's some good-ish and some good news this week. The good-ish is uh, North Dakota is not going to go down without a fight because Tammy Kronemacher, who runs the only clinic in North Dakota, independent provider, is not going to take this shit lying down. And she's filed a challenge to block their trigger ban. Um, If not, her backup plan is uh, just going over to Minnesota where she's got a clinic set up. If she's got to do that, she's so dope. The state of Kentucky is waiting to hear from a judge to see if they can actually continue to provide care. So we will find out uh, from that right now they are providing abortions in Kentucky. Uh, Utah wrote a ban 
that was such a shit ban that basically the judge was like, I don't even fucking know how to read this. It is unprosecutable because it is garbagely written. So we can't be doing this. Um, Colorado is their governor signed a protection for folks coming into their state to get care. Uh, same with North, North Carolina. Their governor signed an executive order to protect abortion access for residents and also for people uh, avoiding prosecution coming from other states. And the Iowa Supreme Court said, you know what? The governor's trash. And there's no way that we're going to impose a ban because the government's like, it's an emergency to make sure that we get this oppression going now. And they were like, no, calm down. Um, So it's a lot of it's a lot of. Oh, and Louisiana remains blocked. So you can still get abortions in Louisiana. Yay! Um, So those are some good updates. Some other updates. We're going to put the links of everything I just said in the show notes so that if you're wondering um, where all that stuff is, if you want to keep up, we'll do that. And as always, if you are looking for an abortion, uh, the best, most up to the minute site is I need an a.com for where clinics are near you providers, people who do telemedicine and also the funds that can help you do that. So it's, I need an a.com that's permanently in our show notes. So if you're ever like, what did they say? Every show note of every one of our podcasts, that website will be in there. So having said that mouthful, I haven't seen y'all since last pod. Did you celebrate your independence last weekend? Uh, what it, what independence by people were not free when they signed. Are you implying they're free now? You're free now. (laughs) Not in this country. Um, (laughs) Just barely. (laughs) But what I did do this weekend, um, which was incredible. I met with Marie and another of our colleagues and we protested a church that uh, wanted to go to a Planned Parenthood and cause some mischief. And that was fantastic. Oh, my God. It's so cool. Explain to folks, um, New York City for Abortion Rights, who is a great, uh, they do really great actions. And they're one of the partners with us on Operations of Abortion. Um, Explain what this action is, because it's really cool. It's so productive. Okay, so this was probably like my fourth or fifth doing with them. Second at this location. Um, And what they do is these churches, some churches in the city will have like a Saturday uh service and then they will hold their service for the unborn right for the unborn and then they will walk to a clinic and basically attack patients as they are going into clinic to get their abortions and so what nyc for abortion rights does is gets activists to come we pick it in front of the church during their service and then (laughs) all we do is slow them down from getting to the clinic so you just they're doing their procession And then in theory, we are standing in front of them, singing and dancing slowly. So a 15 minute walk becomes a two hour walk. And then they can't (laughs) get down there to harass the patients. And then by the time they get there, if we're lucky, all of the patients have gone in and then they can maybe harass people post-abortion. But like people don't have to go in when they're feeling most vulnerable and most tender. Um, And so it's it's so well organized. It's so fun. And it also is just incredibly effective. It's a protest where you're like, I'm here, I'm here at 7am, but you know, by 10 or 11, I've done work. I've actively and directly impacted 
patients who are getting care and also just got in the face of both the NYPD and some parishioners who need to just stay the fuck at home. I love it. Yes. This is a great opportunity to hang out with the NYPD. (laughs) Yeah. If you're you're looking for a good opportunity to hang out with the NYPD, sadly, I don't think you are, but this is one. Um, You shouldn't be. It's so great. And also I went, I did this protest just before the pandemic started, like the beginning of 2022, 2020, sorry. And of course, now post row, there were like a million more people. And so they were saying they could be even more effective and block all the exits that the parishioners could get out of. So it was just so good. It's so So good. And to be clear, they don't block the exits. They just block the sidewalk (laughs) to where they are. Right. They're not. Right. Yeah. 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 They could get out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want it to make. We're not. We're not doing a legal thing. You're not monsters. Um, I love it. You know, there was like it was a hard weekend there was a lot of shit that happened but um also many people were parading uh, my favorite parade of the week was um the raising proud families parade that was led by the oh incels uh, these so are people that don't reprodu- reproduce the right? involuntary <laughs> celibate were having a parade um, and they made costumes where they literally were wearing knee pads and they had cardboard shields and then masks on. It looked like Daft Punk had just taken a really bad turn. Just a hard right hard in a terrible turn. place. Um, but, really- but also like, what the hell is happening when, how do incels have families? Yeah, they don't. I mean, unless they're adopting, which no adoption agency is going to screen an incel and be like, yeah, we should give you a child. Also the juxtaposition of like incel pride signs and masks. Like, how proud are you? I don't think you're very proud because I don't know. I've been to a pride parade and you know what you know what people at pride parades are doing. They're out and proud. Yeah. <laughs> I also feel like they too, have better artworks to be I clear. Mean, they have this is a Yankee also better colors. Yes. Yeah. This these no, people have khaki no. based. These are uniforms. not theater kids and it shows. <laughs> yeah. And it just kind of feels like if you are cosplaying. Uh, and making cardboard signs and wearing a mask and being in an incel parade, basically saying, hey, it's the March of the Unfuckables. That incel thing, you're contributing <laughs> to it. You're not involuntary. You're we actually are. an active participant in your celibacy. I really feel like you you, you do not get a pass <laughs> from me. It is just too much. So um, it, it at least gave me a chance to laugh um, as we move on. So let's uh, let's get on to our actual stories where Maria is going to kick us off with. Uh, if you haven't heard the devastating news out of Ohio, Maria is going to fill you. Yes. So this is a really horrific story and we can't ignore it. It does have I mean, it does have a happy ending, so to speak. Ohio, as we mentioned, has a six week ban in effect with no exceptions at all. And the full cruelty of what that means was realized this last week when a 10-year-old Ohio child who was pregnant was seen by a doctor in their state. And this doctor couldn't provide abortion care at all. And it, ironically, thankfully for the wheels of injustice moving slower in Indiana, the state just over, an abortion provider there was able to extend care and make sure that this child continues to get to be and grow up. And it's, I mean, A, this is heartbreaking. B, we've seen this 
you know, fresh several days. I believe it was three days after Roe falling. I've regularly supported really young people that need to access abortion care. Folks that are so young that they have to get their care finished up at a children's hospital because their bodies are still so small. Folks that are so small that they go to a children's hospital to finish their abortion procedure because their bodies are so small, so tiny. And that's who our government, that is what our government is forcing. They're forcing literal children to beget children and not, not in spaces that are, that are even equipped to handle the complications that go through with all of this. And uh, something else I wanted to comment on between the three of us talk is the level of sexual violence that, that decisions like this allow to exist and be repeated. So you have legislation here limiting abortion care, no more incest. And, and like, to be clear, there shouldn't be, there shouldn't be exemptions like this. But this 10-year-old child happened to be also a rape survivor. And it was an Ohio doctor specifically working with that patient community who, who sounded the alarm basically and was like, we need to look somewhere outside the state for this 10-year-old to get care. And that's, that is the world that we are in, that SCOTUS has given the green light to exist and that states are eagerly rolling back legislation to make sure that, that this is our world. This is the world that Alito wants us to live in and we're living in it. And, you know, it just when I when I heard the story and I heard that this 10 year old was pregnant, it was like and it it clearly was not consensual. 10 year olds can't consent. 10 year olds were not. Right. And and so and so something that I get again, when you when you don't think of your laws are doing right, it's. Child has been and is pregnant and is raped. That child is probably who knows who it's by, but there is a chance, especially if it's a relative, that that child will be taken away and put into child protective custody uh, and away from whomever. So then, how does the child get there? If that child is put into child protective custody in Ohio, in a state that doesn't believe in rape exceptions, that child isn't offered services. Thank the good Lord. Like you said, when the slow moving, you know, trade and justice um, that that person was able to be, that child was able to be brought to Indiana and that there was a supportive parent that could do that. But if, if child custody services were to swoop in uh, before that child might not have a chance. Also, how is a 10 year old supposed to raise a child? Do they get a job? Like, I just I just the cruelty is is like unfathomable. And here we are fathoming it. But like, I can't. And these are the things that I I grew up seeing conservatives blame other parts of the country, you know, like we like my my the parent from an area of the world that, you know, that is exactly who Trump referred to when it came to shithole countries and that that this whole mindset in your own backyard, America, like look at what is going on, that we fully have the power to to mend and repair and create healthcare structures to support because a lot of this is what what we see practical support and abortion funds doing, getting people from point A to point B to access their healthcare. We could make this closer to people and we choose not to. And then we have the audacity to turn around and, and call foul and mock people from other countries. And the cruelty is the point, right? 
and it's relentless. I mean, if there is an understatement of the year, it is that everyone suffers from abortion bans, often in ways that are pervasive and unspoken. These anti-abortion laws were passed with such blind hatred. It's like they stuffed cruelty and harm into a carcass of oppression, like some kind of patriarchal turducken. And the stories of being denied are not only abortion care, but other medical services because their thoughtless and destructive thirst for retaining power over all of us is staggering. Because, you know, we've, we've heard the stories where doctors are afraid of losing their licenses so they won't treat ectopic pregnancy ruptures or care for incomplete miscarriages or abortion that could cause sepsis because they're afraid they're going to be criminalized and lose their licenses for providing abortion. But the stuff you might not be thinking about, talking to your shrink in a red state because they may have to report you for considering abortion, folks will die by suicide because some psychiatrists and doctors won't prescribe some antidepressants and antipsychotics because they're considered abortifacients because like 5% of women in 2010 who had miscarriages had at least one prescription for an antidepressant filled during their pregnancy. Partner violence? That's a very real thing. A partner is angry that you can't get your abortion and doesn't want to parent with you and you're screwed? That's a thing? Treatments for cancer or other diseases? If those treatments harm the fetus, doctors are afraid to treat their patients for those things? And let me be clear that none of the things I just mentioned would fall under the exception to save the life of the person pregnant. None of them. And that's where they've left us. People need abortions. And imagine if if these places that have exceptions are like, well, you have to prove the rape. Like, uh, I don't know, pregnancy is longer than uh, trials. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Some states want you to show that, oh, you filed a police report or something. Yeah, police report. Yeah, but trials, right? Like, at what point? I don't know. And I was I was also reading about how since since even September with this six week ban that Texas instituted. Um, yeah, people were just not getting their medications if they had any of anything that could be an abortifacient. And right. So people had like you mentioned cancer, arthritis, lupus, um, but also even part of like a healthy pregnancy. Some of these are used to bring on labor if someone needs labor or soften the uterus when doing random gyne- gynecological exams and all of these medicines that people will be like, I, but I, I don't even want an abortion. I just want my meds. And, yep. you know, these bands just, they have tentacles that reach all over. Yeah, all over and all up. All up. They, over in Wisconsin, God bless my home state, they don't even understand basic sex ed, y'all. Uh, Walgreens over in Hayward, Wisconsin, which is a city that I have been to, their cashier denied to. This should not matter, but just to paint you like literally this perfect like nuclear family picture, a cashier denied a married couple condoms because of his faith. He literally said, like, I won't sell you this. I'll sell you everything else. And then I'm going to go get someone else. And I'm going to say this in front of people like the couple said that they felt ashamed, like all of this. They get outed for buying. They're a married couple and props to them for like saying something and like sticking up for themselves it's it's bullshit listen if you don't want to sell ice cream don't work at a dairy cream yes yeah exactly also i just want to point out totally sidebarring that 
Hayward, Wisconsin has the Fishing Hall of Fame and has the largest collection of outboard motors within this museum of anywhere in the country. Oh, boy. I've been there like five times. Marie, you know I loves me some fishing. I know. Um, I got this, you, Liz. Yeah, it's really, it's great. So, so I think that... (laughs) I know. (laughs) It is just crazy. And like, and, you know, just talking about these this um the way that this oppression like plays out right um and 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 seeing a 10 year old uh you know folks who are super vulnerable people who are of low income black and brown folks um marginalized people desperately needing help to access care in the and i'm putting this in air quotes best of times mm-hmm. what the other thing that's really unveiled in the scope of these laws is now that the people that have been there to help them are also really being affected by how these laws take place, Moj. And I know you have something to say about that. Yeah, well, you know, abortions are not covered by most insurance. That's just a sad fact. It should not be true, but it is. And also we live in an underinsured nation anyway. Uh, and But, if, you know, if you're poor, there's no coverage at all for abortions. The Hyde Amendment makes sure of it. And so abortion funds were created to kind of step into that gap and help the most vulnerable afford care. But now with these abortion bans and these civil enforcement laws, abortion funds are starting to be hunted down by these ravenous, sore winner legislatures. Um, You mentioned before that in the dead of night, I'm sorry, you mentioned before that in the dead of night, Texas just... um, reinstated their ban. So the Texas funds have shut down because it's not enough to just outlaw abortion in your state. They also have to attack the orgs whose purpose it is to help people who need the most help. So a lot of these funds just can't help people or risk jail time or ridiculously large civil fines or other things that just keep them from doing their job. It's really terrifying. Yikes. Um, And Marie I'm sure you've seen this since Marie works in practical support. For those of you that don't know, Marie works at Midwest Access Coalition. Um, I've heard folks say um, we might, you know, move over to a neighboring state that is friendlier and then help people access care there. And that's a Band-Aid because, Marie, you talk about how community plays a role in this. Well, it's, it's such a scary tactic, Liz, to like, not only are we making clinics, are we making like Tammy look at leaving like the Dakotas and have to go somewhere else when like, you know, she wants to continue to provide care to those people there. Now we're saying, all right, now we're going to dismantle and stop abortion funding in those states. So we're going after these existing mutual aid networks that don't just fund abortion. They provide networks to get diapers to each other, to work with folks who need harm reduction supplies. You're breaking down these actual communities of support, and they're going to affect so much more than abortion. Cash bail reform, union organizing, Black Lives Matter planning and uprising. Those are all different areas that in mutual aid spaces and in communities where people are able to trust each other get to exist and thrive in. And when you're saying, no, we're going to make it impossible for a group of people to even talk about a topic, because, again, a lot of people, unfortunately, are volunteering still like I'm privileged to be able to be hired. 
um, and have a salary and benefits through my position at MAC. A lot of folks with abortion funds and practical support positions aren't in those roles or only a couple of people can be afforded to be funded. So you're not only saying you can't continue to do what you're doing and supporting the healthcare of your very same communities. You're saying, if you talk about these things, you could go jail. You could be fined so much that you're going to be destitute. And then the alternative is you have to leave and move from your state. And it's, it's disgusting. It's rooted in, you know, the practice of like not allowing us to protect our communities and instead going after our communities. We are outgamed every step of the way by these people. You know, they thought of, and here's the diabolical part is normal people wouldn't think to bounty hunt other people. Nope. And so the, mm-hmm. the depravity of creating these laws and the detail within the depravity to make sure their depravity is executed is the part that I think feels like the weirdest because it feels like that's a, a bottomless pit that they will just keep tapping into, which is really negative. Yes. Oh God. Well, Guys, I think we need to we need to bring on a guest to help us break down some of this. Yes, please. Oh, are so excited that our next guest is a great friend of your Buzzkills. She is a reproductive justice activist and founder and executive director of We Testify, an organization dedicated to the leadership and representation of people who have had abortions. She is also joining us July 17th for Operation Save Abortion. Please welcome Renee Bracy Sherman. Hi, Renee. Renee. Hi. I love you all. It's so good to see you and talk to you. You too. Thank you so much for joining us. First and foremost, we need to ask, what have you and we testified been experiencing since the road decision? How are you all doing? Oh, I feel like I want to like give you guys the gif of um, from Broad City. It's like, how am I? Um, because it <laughs> feels very, such a loaded question. Um, we're okay. Um, I mean, I think the We Testify Storytellers are obviously really devastated and we've always known that this is what was coming, but it doesn't hurt any less to have it written down in paper, to have it final. Um, so many of the We Testify Storytellers work at abortion funds and work at clinics and work on the ground across the country. So they both have been really, really sad and also had to, you know, kick into high gear to continue to help people try to get abortions as um, they have been for years. You know, they've been out there talking to press, speaking at rallies, organizing rallies. Um, Shout out to the We Testify Storytellers in Dallas who organized a phenomenal rally last week. You know, it's been hard and it's one of those things that we have to just continue on and, and keep doing the work. And as I was mentioning before we started recording, like I'm in the middle of doing a practical support uh, run right now where I, I just picked someone up from the airport to drop them off to their housing for their abortion appointment. And I'm doing this while trying to, you know, do conference calls and all of these things. And so the, the need for abortions never stops. And so we have to keep doing that. Um, so what we've really done as a staff is try to like, build in spaciousness where staff can rest, but also keep doing the work on the ground and also have space where we can um, support the storytellers as they continue to be the beacon of, of light and hope and the voice of what's happening right now. You know, I think, Renee, the work that We Testify does is some of the most important work and some of the most unsung work because... I I can't reiterate enough to people who are 
examining things. And as we know, there have been so many hot takes on how we, how do we stop this? What do we do? Blah, blah, blah. And the truth be told, until we change language and culture and conversation around abortion, we will keep losing. We have to change the way people fundamentally feel about abortion in their bones. And storytelling does that. And I just wanted you to talk a little bit about like how we failed in the past uh, with this narrative and how we testify and, and other people can ha- are, can and are course correcting on that. Yeah. I mean, I think people haven't believed in the power of storytelling and by proxy and at, at its root, the power of people who have abortions as leaders in this movement. When I first started doing this work a decade ago, um, I was explicitly told that abortion storytelling, not only did it not work, but it was a harmful strategy. And I was not the only one told this. Um, And thankfully, I actually don't listen very well. I'm really (laughs) a poor, a poor, poor follower of authority, which is why I'm an abortion activist. Um, And so a lot of my work has always been, you say that and I'm going to prove you wrong. And they said abortion storytelling, it doesn't work. It it doesn't change hearts and minds. And for us, we testify, actually, storytelling isn't about changing hearts and minds per se. It's not about changing policy. Our primary audience is and will always be other people who've had abortions. That is who we exist for. And it's funny because when we get critiques about things we say on our social media, it's always people who haven't had abortions who don't like it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's cool. That's not for you. We exist to make sure that people who have abortions aren't alone, that they feel loved and supported, that they see themselves represented in this movement. And that that is what we work at so hard. And when I started doing this work, it was because I didn't see anyone discussing abortion who looked like me. And I felt like, okay, well, I can't possibly be the only one and started talking to other people. I realized that actually we're out there and that the majority of people who have abortions are people of color, but we're not being invested in. We're actually being pushed out of a movement that is our own. And, you know, I, maybe I'm, I'm, divisive about this and I actually just don't care. But I believe that how can you have a movement when the people who are most impacted are well, not leading? Yes. You know, like what would what would what would the queer movement look like <laughs> with a bunch of straight people? I mean that's I think that's right. We have people who are working for access to abortion and giving care and doing all this stuff. But until the storytellers started leading and and your organization has started and shot your abortion and you know hopefully us is where the movement mm-hmm begins. Right. Seven years ago, how hard it was to have abortion storytellers getting speaking spots mm-hmm. at Supreme Court mm-hmm. rallies. Mm-hmm. Like people don't realize how, I mean, there were many nights I spent crying and I, yes, if you've heard that I've yelled at people who work at large reproductive <laughs> rights organizations. Yes, I did it. Um, because it was that there, there really was this, we don't need storytellers there. We just need the heads of, of organizations to tell what their organizations are doing. I was furious. 
for Mm -hmm. so long because how can you have a movement, but the people who are most impacted aren't invited to speak. And, and then when they are, their stories are so censored or asked to fit into a a narrow box. Don't talk about that. You've had more than one abortion. Don't talk about that. You had a later abortion. Don't talk about that. You, you weren't on birth control. Like don't talk about all the things that make us real and are human. At what point are you just going to let us be? Right. And that is, that is what's changing. We're finally allowed to let us be. It's still not there. I'm still yelling at people. But, (laughs) But I think we're slowly getting there. I mean, and I remember there was a time where we used to have hearings before Congress and they never put up an abortion storyteller. And that was actually, I don't know if you guys know this, this is the story of how we testify got its name. We were at a hearing and there was no one who'd had an abortion who was at the hearing. And it was, it was extremely racist hearing. It was really bad. It was on race selective and selective abortion bans. And I was really furious after the hearing. And so we testify her full name is when the fuck do we get to testify? (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. And my colleague was like, that's what it should be called. And I was like, what? It was like, we testify. And that's it. It was because we did not have a seat at the table. So truly we testify his full name is when the fuck do we get to testify? But, but it is because (laughs) for so long, we didn't get to testify. And so now I we find have- even on the on the micro level, like in individual spaces, I find just telling your abortion story in a room of people you haven't told it to, like people you've known, really frees everyone else to tell their abortion story. And it really creates like an intimacy and camaraderie faster than a lot of other stories you could tell. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think this is why we use the word like sharing abortion stories, because it's not a one-way street. Mm-hmm. When someone says, I had abortions, someone always says it back. Yep. It is a sharing. It is a connection moment. And I mean, of course, like I, you know, I, I love my work. I love, you know, talking about it in media and whatever else I do all day long, but there's nothing that feels as powerful as saying that I had an abortion and someone had one too. I mean, even this person I was just driving today asked me why I do this work. How did I get into it? So I shared my abortion story and they shared theirs back. And I, I think it, it's just this, this moment of connection that people really are, are lacking when you shut yourself out from being willing to listen to someone. And, you know, the phrase, everyone loves someone who's had an abortion. It came up with that because there were so many anti-abortion people who were like, well, no one in my life would have an abortion. No, you're just so much of an asshole that they don't feel like they can tell you. Right. Mm -hmm. They don't trust you. Because every single person loves someone who's had an abortion. It's one in four. That's right. They just haven't told you that. And so that's where we need to continue to, to do this work. And the last thing I'll say on this is like, I keep getting asked by reporters like, okay, Roe fell. What? gonna do now and I'm gonna go to I'm not gonna go to Disneyland I should though um but what I have been saying is they're like does your work change no my work doesn't change because this country and this world has never had a culture in which people who have abortions are fully held and loved Mm -hmm. and supported it doesn't exist and so our work has always been to build that world 
and to dream what it could look like, whether it's joy and jokes and laughs and, and, and sorrow and grief and all the things, all those emotions all at once. So we're working to build that world. So our work is, is just beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's just one little piece on the 4,000 year history of abortion in this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that, um, and that, and that means that it becomes part of the fabric of our society. And then that's when people mm-hmm. don't fuck with it. Right. Right. You know, and that, and that I think is like so important for people to really understand. And Having said all that, and I agree with all of it 100%, um, let's shit on the Democrats for a minute and bye. Oh my God, please, please. I can't wait. My other favorite thing to talk I about. Know. Go, go ahead. I mean, what are they doing? How are they doing? They're doing nothing. Shit or get off the pot. Like, seriously. They're, they don't even have good awesome. speeches. Oh my I mean, God. You can't just have six people who know how to rise to the occasion. Like this is monumental and they just seem, it just seems so outrageous. Although Biden did say abortion, Renee, did you hear him? He said abort the child. <laughs> he, oh my God. He, true. <laughs> oh, he put the word child in there. Of course oh he did God. because he's anti-abortion and we know this. Yo, here's the thing. We, um, Folks can go check out our little website that we came up with, um, didbidensayabortionyet.org, and see that we've been keeping track of this. And again, I'll spill a little tea. I was very directly told not to point out that Biden was not saying the word abortion and to not address uh, that because he would come, he would show up when we need him. Uh, We need him. I was promised he's on our side. He's, he's going to show up, you know, they have a plan. I was also told a number of times they have a plan. And I said, cool, what is it? Can you, can you give me a hint? And they said, they're going to let us know. They're just, they're going to deploy it once Roe falls. And I was like, that's too late. Um, (laughs) And so, because as I said, I don't listen very well. I went ahead and made, (laughs) did Biden say abortion yet.org anyway, and started complaining about it because it was a very clear sign that he was not going to be a knight in shining armor that was going to show up. He was going to show up ass backwards and, and, and do nothing. And it's harming people. He has turned his back on people who need abortions since day one. And I don't understand why it's like a crime against humanity to point out that obvious. Right. President Clinton even met with people who have abortions in the Oval Office. He did it. And I keep asking when President Biden will do it. Um, They keep not responding to my emails. Every time they send an email where they send us like a link to a new TikTok that they've made about the things the president didn't do or the meetings they had that didn't come out. Any real plans? I'm like, cool. When is he going to meet with people who have abortions? Because if he's not going to actually take any action, the least he could do is actually show up and show love for people who have abortions in public and use this platform for that. And he's refusing. Yeah. And the Democrats are refusing to push him on that. Yep. And I'm sorry, but I don't know. What, can we make like a new like rhino term where you're like pro-choice in name only? Like sign? I don't know. Some We need something because I'm just like, stop calling yourself pro-choice if you're not going to fucking do any. Right. And I think too, it, 
it, let this be a lesson to all of you that when we elect people, again, the fundamentals of how they feel about abortion are going to matter. And somebody can't just passively be pro-choice. They have to be right. in their bones and then actively expanding access. Right. I mean, and that is, right. that is what we all need to be thinking about because I mean, there's nowhere to go, but up. You can only expand at this point. <laughs> it's, it's also like, it's been, it's what has it been like? It's, it's been lift. like more than eight weeks since the leaked opinion in early May, like no plan, literally yeah. no plan in two months. Because there Nothing. never was a plan. <laughs> oh my God. There never was a the plan. The emperor has no clothes. <laughs> but what's funny is I had written articles about that. I had tweeted about that before the leaked decision. And people said that I was being a Republican operative. I wasn't giving the Democrats a chance. And I'm a cool, I'd love to be proven wrong. It's it's actually exhausting being this right all the time. <laughs> like, please prove <laughs> me wrong. But they haven't. And and I I'm sorry, this is nothing but derelict of duty. And how can you say that you are pro-choice and you will not have a photo taken with people who have abortions? You will not say the word abortion. It took you 520 days to give a speech about the abortion access crisis after Roe has fallen. Why do I know that? Because I counted. Because <laughs> you have a website. Because <laughs> I have a website. Did Biden say abortion yet? Don't work. Say abortion Joe on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> I mean, oh my God, it's so great. Please, we'll put those, we'll put those in the show notes. Say abortion Joe, Twitter and Instagram. I know because I mean, it's said a million times in our circles and Renee, you and I, and all of us have said it a million times, but honestly, for those of you listening, ask yourself, how do you advocate for something if you can't say the word and really, like, <laughs> it's just so weird. And because, you know, when people go to a clinic, they're not going to get a pro-choice. They're not going to get a reproductive right. They're going to get an abortion. So basically. Like, like one you know, right to choose as protected under the constitutional right under Roe v. Wade, please. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. like that. You know, I'm here to exercise my right to have my choice of reproductive right freedom choice, please. Could I? And then could you take me camping and then we'll do it while we're camping? <laughs> yes. I I can't. Renee, you are so much fun. And we have to wrap up this interview. And it feels always just like a slumber party whenever we talk to you. It does truly (laughs) feels always great. I'm so excited. Can you just give us some last last things? If someone's listening and it's like, okay, how can I be part of the culture shift? What are some just easy things people could do now when they're thinking about talking about abortion? What would you tell them? Oh, good God. Don't be like Joe. Just say the word abortion. Like <laughs> if the bar is on the floor. Like, please say the word abortion. Ask the people you're talking to to say the word abortion. And don't say it where you like lower your voice when you say the word abortion. Oh, don't say it. Because you're in public. Like, actually, just say abortion. You know what's really fun? Talk about abortion at a restaurant and look at the faces of everyone sitting around <laughs> you because they're confused. And then they end up starting to talk about abortion because they go, yeah. you know, they're over there talking about abortion. <laughs> yep. Just do it. It's right. just a fun experiment. And, and then, also, of course, who cares what they if think? 
I like people watching, so it's kind of fun. <laughs> but like, just do it. Disrupt society in that way. Open the conversation. Wear your abortion t-shirt, whatever it is, to the grocery store. You know, wear it to the rally, of course, but wear it to just the most mundane places, to the vet, to the car shop, whatever it is, to disrupt the status quo. I promise you, there are going to be people who come up to you and say, I love your t-shirt. They're going to honk because, you know, they're like, yes, I support that. Getting people to understand that it's okay to talk about abortion in public. And of course, if you've had an abortion, when you feel ready, share your stories. Mm -hmm. And that's on your term. Your abortion stories are a gift and you get to decide if, when, and how to share them. And so when you're ready, I promise you, we love you and we will be ready to listen to them. That's right. And if you're wondering, like, if you're feeling like you need somebody to help you out in telling your story, We Testify is there. And Renee's Renee's crew is great and they will walk you through it. If you're like, I kind of want to tell my abortion story at my, you know, class reunion or at my thing or whatever, like, and you need tools, they got you, man. It's so good. We got you. We got, we got the real simple tools. We've got the more extensive ones. We got it all. That's right. Thank you to Renee for joining us today. It's conversations like this that you'll hear on Operation Save Abortion on Sunday, July 17th. And Renee will be joining all of us and speaking on two panels. Let's talk about abortion and reproductive justice and also put your money, time and privilege where your mouth is, how to help patients access care. Renee, thank you again for being with us. You can sign up at OperationSaveAbortion.com and follow the work of We Testify at We Testify on Instagram and at Abortion Stories on Twitter. And follow Renee at Renee Bracey Sherman. Renee really gets me fired up. I really, and now I'm very excited to shift to our favorite podcast party game, Six Degrees of Abortion. Here's how it works. Moji and Marie pick a big story of the week that seemingly has nothing to do with abortion. And I have six tries to connect it to abortion. Bitches, what you got? Liz, there is, there's a goat. <laughs> I don't like this already. This is a story that is some caveat. <laughs> no, this is, Liz, I'll just say everything was okay. sad that I was no. collecting and Moji was like, God damn it. It has to be happy. It has to be good. And there is a gentleman in Pakistan that has a goat with incredibly wide, long, droopy little ears. They're the sweetest ears. This goat has won a beauty pageant over there and is now making, um, getting international attention. <gasps> and Moji and I wanted you to connect goats to abortion. No. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you, do, am I like dumb? Do you think I'm a dumb person? No. Our dear friend and Marie's <sighs> colleague at Midwest Access Coalition is a goat herder. Marie, what is wrong with you? That is like saying, Liz, could you tie your sisters to abortion? Like you literally just didn't gave me that. Think about that. As Damn my it. So, all right. Are you kidding? You? Who else do you know has goats? Do you have a whole list of There's people like in your life that have goats <laughs> that are not associated with abortion? Okay. Okay. Right. Check out the show notes because I do want people to look at this goat story. This goat looks like a basset hound. He is so freaking cute. We were trying to not do caveats because we were like, well, we can't do Pakistan and Marie. But then I was like, just let's not add the question. <laughs> you people should be ashamed, actually. Or else you think I'm so dumb. You should. It's embarrassing. You, it's embarrassing. 
but because also like Marie's Pakistani. They so even, well, yeah, no, but that we were not going to let. Count. We were like, <laughs> that was because <the> <laughs> you know we like a caveat. <laughs> well, you could also just spend some time doing better stories that don't require caveats. Damn, Marie, do you hear it? You hear the way she's talking to us? I am throwing you so much Once shade. I brought, all right, we'll go. I'm sorry. <laughs> You, it could have been Nipsey Hustle, Liz. It could have been tied Nipsey Hustle to abortion. Oh, I, that's easy. Christy oh, Teague Nipsey Hustle. Boom. Um, anyway, do you want to keep going? Like, it's like I could do this all day. Yeah. Yeah. Don't throw, don't oh, throw, don't throw Nipsey Hustle at me and think the six-year-old doesn't know what's up. I know what's up. Let's bring on our comedy. Let's bring on our comedy guest, you, you young people, ageist <laughs> people. Well, last week we hung with the hilarious Millie Tamares. She's a stand-up comedian, TV writer, and the co-host of Betches Sup podcast. It's Millie time. Hi, Millie. First of all, we just have to ask, um, the oppression came fast and furious. How are you feeling? How are you coping? Okay. So, you know, Iman, Imani Gandhi uh-huh. came on our podcast literally months ago and just was like, this is going to happen. And I'm like, oh, shit. Probably back in March or February, she came on our podcast on, on Betcha Sup. And um, so I've had time to prepare. It was still shocking. It was still gut wrenching. I have a friend who like kind of moved out of the city and got a cabin in New Jersey and like lives there kind of like a little bit reclusive by a lake. And, and I'm just like, this is fucking nice. Like, should I just fuck, say fuck everything? <laughs> there are just some days where I'm like, I just need to not be on the internet. Like that was one day, the day that Kamala Harris got announced for vice president. That was the day where I'm like, this is going to be difficult for me. For for many reasons to 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 be a bystander in the Internet with people's terrible opinions, I need to be off. And um, when I came back home from my friend's cabin, my need for dissociation was so strong. I needed something that was really going to take me out of my reality that. Having never watched an episode, I started watching Downton Abbey. And now I'm on season two, episode seven right now. I need, you know, I'm just really in it. I need, you know, I'm like. I just want to be clear. You started at season one, episode one, and now you're at season two, episode seven, just so I understand your journey. I'm started at season one, episode one on Saturday. And today, which is, what is it, the following, you know, whatever, Thursday, I'm on season two, episode seven. <laughs> you know, I watch- And each episode's an hour, okay? So <laughs> so what else have you done this okay. week? <laughs> no, it's your podcast. It's your, your daily podcast. It's Downton Abbey. <laughs> no, you know, like, I'm working, I am like, so I'm Dominican, but the joke, you know, the joke about how Jamaican dads have five jobs- I am one of the, I have five jobs. A lot of them require being online all the time. I'm a puppy mom. I'm fucking fried as hell. So at the end of the day, I'll go and get a slice of pizza and watch some fucking maids talk shit about how the valet put the wrong teacup in this and that and the third. 
That's how I'm coping. I feel like like that kind of order is real. First of all, I when I started watching Downton Abbey about four episodes in, I started counting how many times they put lotion on and how many times they were doing embroidery because I feel like all they did with their hands is go put lotion on at night before they went to bed and then do embroidery. But there's something calming when I was out on the road doing stand up like 40 weeks a year. I would watch soap operas when they were on all the time because the consistency mm-hmm. of their family and mm-hmm. them and I could like calm down and mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, it's hairdo day on all my children. Everybody got their hair cut. Like I could tell when they changed their curtains. Like it's I I'm, I understand a hundred percent. And also. it's just so every episode, they just wrap it up in a nice way where like, you know. I'm like, oh, the first episode, I'm like, damn, all this fucked up shit is happening. They're like harassing this guy who's disabled and everyone's really (laughs) mean to him. And I'm like, well, I can't watch this shit. And in the end, it all comes back. They stand up for justice. And I'm like, okay, now I see the appeal. This is like Gilded Age with shit actually going on. (laughs) I've actually never watched Downton Abbey, but I feel like that I did watch Sherlock Holmes on the BBC. And I was like, oh, each one of these episodes is a movie. Yeah, <laughs> a whole entire movie with an mm-hmm. arc and a closure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I could see that. My mm-hmm. sister was in love with that show. I feel like I heard a lot about it, but I yeah, because I, I liked Gilded Age in that like low level drama. It's not like Succession or Severance, where I'm really I really have to listen to five podcasts to understand what the fuck is happening. <laughs> in every episode. Um, no, Downton Abbey. It's literally. Uh, this girl's a whore because she t- touched this guy's hand and they're not married <laughs> and they're just talking about it. Yeah. You know, and I think about that all the time where sometimes I'm like, you know, I don't know, like, or Bridgerton, I, th- I think I talked about this on another podcast where it's like, yeah, you know, we have, women have more rights now and all this stuff, but I'm also just like, I did kind of like a world where if you're not going to marry me, we cannot have a conversation together. (laughs) Like if you're not going to fucking buy my family property, please get the fuck out of my, I cannot be seen talking to you or it will ruin me. You know, it's funny. I watched the Gilded Age and that's, I kind of thought that, but then I remembered that I'm a black woman and that's actually not <laughs> what was what? happening. That girl's like, oh, but that black woman, I mean, you know, she had that No, she did. But I'm like, I'm like, and funny watching Gilded Age, I was like, oh, the racism's the same. She shows up and she's black and her friend's like, here's some old shoes. And she's like, I live in a really nice house. <laughs> yeah. Nicer than that girl. Oh, that, that was really funny. That was really funny. Um, everything else is pretty much recycled from Downton Abbey. If you like Gilded Age, you're going to like, but then they just, it's just no people of color. They literally had one guy who was Turkish and he died like immediately. I know. I know. He went fast. Well, the great thing about Gilded Age also as a New Yorker is you're like, oh, these are the people our libraries are named after. Oh my, (laughs) this is Astor Place? Wait, this bitch, wait, I have to get, there's a Starbucks Astor Place? Exactly. Like new money? What does she know? Astor Place where... I know uh, this is like New York drama, but I used to yes. date this guy. I used to date this guy in 2012 who said that him and his homeboy were both talking to Azalea Banks at the same time. And she fucked him 
in the bathroom of the Starbucks at Astor Place. Allegedly. Like, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. And I'm like, wow, Azalea Banks is allegedly getting fucked in the Starbucks at Astor Place a hundred years earlier. This woman would not have even let a new money person eat at her table. I <laughs> Lots of progress has happened in a hundred years. <laughs> oh my we gotta God. remember that. Uh-huh. It's hard. We we forget. Well, also, also a lot we, of progress was undone this week. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, yeah, we did spiral awesome. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One step forward, three steps back. But listen, <laughs> people are getting railed in bathrooms where they would not have been allowed. <laughs> and that is. <laughs> This okay, is sorry. Exactly what this I is needed. like, yes. I know. This is like, you guys haven't even like introduced me yet. You asked me one question. We're good. We're, we're doing good. Meanwhile, this is the Gilded Age take that I'm taking to my friends. I'm going to be like, everybody, Zelia Banks is having more fun in that Astor Place place than anyone ever had ever. And she that had progress. more fun. She used to, that was just her job. She used to work at Starbucks on Astor Place <laughs> and fuck people in the bathroom. She talks about it all the time, allegedly. Whatever. I know. <laughs> also, I just also feel like in those Gilded Age, like I sometimes I just can't get past like, I feel like they didn't bathe very much. I think there's just no. a lot of like smelling and putting on like sort of like um, weird perfume and and odd powders and you're just like fucking in the bushes of the person you're not supposed to be and then you're just going back and and then ratcheting up all of that stuff you must i mean people must have known because you're walking around like smelling like hot sex <laughs> I, well I, first of all like nothing will take me out of a period drama for faster than thinking about the smells that are happening um, so if you want to go there let's go there but i'm like girl because i was watching pachinko and this girl's washing everyone's clothes in a river and i'm like that can't be <laughs> there's no tide in that river there's no tide in the river and like in you know god damn and then i pachinko was another one where like <laughs> they're like uh you know the girl's got a, legit- a legitimate pregnancy and basically has to marry this guy who's like sick and is dying and then they have to go to japan and as soon as they get there like the the in-laws are like you married this girl she was pregnant before you met her she's taking advantage of you we're very poor this house is very cramped whatever and then literally I, you know i'm telling the premise of pachinko literally they're in like in this japanese house with bamboo walls and they're both like looking you know there's this new couple and there's all this stress and worry of like what did we do we immigrated in this country whatever and then like they just look at each other and she's pregnant she's like six months pregnant with another guy's baby and then he's like they're just like looking at each other and then they basically start fucking <laughs> and i'm like <laughs> side fucking like basic and i'm like this is how you guys address the anxiety and concerns of like being a burden on your family is the first night y'all get there you guys are fucking and there's like a thin bamboo wall okay cool relatable (laughs) fully relatable content oh my god hilarious yeah i love that you're laughing because i know you are like me where you are constantly you know you're writing shit and responding to the world all the time in comedy i mean the podcast all of it like how do you deal with trying to fucking write satire when it's just 
what's the difference anymore? When shit, <laughs> you can't like satirize something because like people have elevated to this like neon garbage place. How do you do it? Like, where do you go? Like, the my well is dry. Yeah, I guess for me, it's kind of like when people are like, oh, Trump, Trump is probably going to be so good for comedy. No, fuck that. He's crazy. There's no, like, the only way for satire to work is if there's, like, a ceiling or an agreed upon um, sense of, of standards and boundaries. Yes. To me, it is more fun, more exciting. There's a lot, even on the left, the quote unquote left. Oh, yes. Um, to make fun of, poke fun of whatever. Personally, I've been focusing all like Ron DeSantis is nuts. I have ire for him for sure. Just crazy troll. I point it out all the time. But in my personal time, we love uh, bullying Eric Adams. I oh, think that's yes. horrible. Well, yes. 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 this is a Eric Adams less of appreciation moment, and I'm here for it. Oh, oh my God. Don't even. So, what <laughs> I do for fun, which is like, it's difficult because sometimes I'm like, you know, I see my comedy colleagues and they're just like, you know, with hacky shit that goes viral, which is fine, you know, and like, guys are like this and girls are like, this. okay, whatever. And I and I'm like, oh, but these people go so viral and they get all this shit. And I just have to check myself because sometimes I'm like, is my Twitter even funny anymore? I'm literally just because I've done this thing where I just take the stupidest thing Eric Adams has said every week or done or blunder. He literally does it every week. Yeah. Um, At last least. week, last week he said, oh, OK, last week it was like women shouldn't be riding on the train alone. Yep. Oh, yeah. That was like two weeks yeah. ago. That was that, that was, was pre-row ending. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that was pre-row ending. Um, you know, he crushed a bunch of like dirt bikes and <laughs> yeah, that was, that was you know, and made a photo op of it. <laughs> yeah, which de Blasio did that too. So I won't give him complete credit. If you know anything about me, I love a moped. I ride a revel everywhere. I love motorcycles and ATVs. I've done motorcycle tours. So to see fucking Eric Adams like crush dirt bikes, I'm like, this guy's taunting me personally. <laughs> Fuck him. Um, another <laughs> hobby of mine, another hobby. I was in the swim team in high school. I love a lap swim. I love swimming. Public pools in New York City, like one of my favorite things to do in the summer. This motherfucker cut all the li- like cut half of the lifeguard budget. And you know what I mean? No, they used to do free swimming lessons for low-income children in New York City. Cut that. Cut all the after-school programs for music and art. $11 billion to police. So, and he's a Democrat, right? So it's yeah. like, okay, Republicans are like, you can't learn about slavery and all this crazy shit that's just like the craziest fucking person you've ever heard in your life is endorsed by Trump and running. So it's like, it's not like we can't, like people are like, I'm just not going to vote anymore. And I'm like, I wish it were that simple, but these people are batshit crazy and they will never stop. And they lockstep and they are so powerful. We have to cyber bully Eric Adams. (laughs) It's so funny. We we were talking about Eric Adams and we were like, oh, he does so much crazy bullshit. And I was like, yeah, but in the state of the world, it just feels like humble bragging. You know what I mean? Like other elected officials are terrible, like objectively terrible, horrible people. And he's kind of clunky and bad. I just feel like it's such a good analysis of like New York City. The mayoral election was such a good kind of thing of what we're dealing with. 
Well, first of all, fuck Andrew Yang. I blame Andrew Yang completely for Always. this. Because if he didn't run, then we would have like been able to coalesce for somebody who's a, a lot more progressive and better. But I'm also like, God, the fucking options were like Curtis Sewell, who was like, <laughs> Literally has no. literally has 17 no. cats, <laughs> brought two of them to vote. It's that motherfucker's nuts. <laughs> and then or Eric Adams. And you're like, God damn. All so, the fucking people who said I didn't have Eric Adams on my five. Yes, you did. I trust no one. I had Eric Adams on my five because I didn't know this guy was the fuck I wanted because my focus was on Andrew Yang. And that's why I'll never forgive yeah. Andrew Yang. Yeah, the because hatred. I was like. Andrew Yang cannot be mayor. No. Like anybody's better than Andrew Yang. And okay, I think Eric Adams is better than Andrew Yang, but Andrew Yeah, where does that get us? You know, it's, it's Yeah, where does that get us? That gets, you know, us, it gets no, us Eric Adams. Yeah, it gets us like kids that gets us no fucking music programs, but cops are arresting the lady that sells churros. Yeah, yeah. thanks a yeah. lot, asshole. It's so, oh, so is this cutting why the 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 because i'm like why have our pools not opened yet i feel like oh, they no, always no. open the pools, the pools are just literally they always open like in june or something i don't know why i thought they opened around memorial day weekend okay i thought so I'm a terrible too, New Yorker. like i feel like maybe that's a yeah they're gonna they're gonna open like this week or next week um but i just feel like they always do that they always open later it could be like a budget cut thing to like pay people less or something it's really fucked, but also like summer is so fucked that like it's getting it doesn't get cold until literally mid-October anyway. It's so it's not like, the, you know, there's a strict like, OK, at the end of, you know, Labor Day, it's going to be suddenly cold like it used to be. Now it's and probably more, honestly, because there's no more APA. Thanks, Supreme Court. <laughs> I know there's nothing. I hope all their credit cards get leaked forever. Fuck them. <laughs> oh, I know. How great was that? That, that about, did you guys that see that? I mean, I do there, too. I hope someone charged something on it. I hope somebody. No, actually, people did. People bought like figurines and shit, and it was crazy. Oh my god! I wondered about that because I saw the story, and I wonder how many people got got to buy shit until Clarence Thomas figured it out. Also, and why you know, is Thomas out? Huh? Public. Why is he out in public? No one wants to. Um, see well, he you. has to show off his beautiful white wife. I mean, come on. I mean, that's true. <laughs> Oh, she has free, you know. I don't know. I know. You guys so have other questions. You, out of your mind, my friend. you guys have other questions? I don't know. I mean, we're uh, just having the best time with you. Now I'm like, shit. What are other things I'd like? Wait, to I want to know where else your you're laying your sights on. It's Eric Adams, and then um, coffee, and then it. I'm really, I really hate cars, and I feel like this country. I, my hobbies is listening to urban planning, urban planning podcast. We talked a little bit about this when we were on the panel together with Carlina. Yeah. We're really mm-hmm. raging on I'm about like bike lanes and getting rid of cars. And I loved it. As an adult non-driver, I would like to know about these urban planning podcasts. Yeah. So there's a few. My, my critique of them. So I listen to them to go to sleep. I like to have some stimulation, but not too much where I'm like, fuck, I want to listen to this and I can't like fall asleep but there's some there's some really good ones okay so there's this one called active towns but they interview a lot of like people with phds like phds in urban planning and stuff and they really 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 i feel like over celebrate europe the diversity of the people that they're that they're interviewing are you know just all white 
white people in 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 Sweden or Netherlands or, and or Copenhagen and, yeah Copenhagen yeah, yeah exactly um and like they just talk about how great the Netherlands is without acknowledging that it's extremely racist you know what I mean like but but they do the like they bring up things that are really interesting and like so Colorado right now has which is one of the recent podcasts they have this thing where they are doing, you know, Biden's trying to pass a gas tax or whatever. But like, I think the city of Denver is doing um like a four hundred or eight hundred dollar. I think it's four hundred dollar rebate for e-bikes. So if you buy an e-bike, you can get four hundred dollars from the government. Um, if you're low income, you can get a thousand dollars, which is basically like they'll buy you an e-bike. Free, yeah. Free. So a lot of people and basically like what these pot, what I've learned from these podcasts is that like people don't care about weather, it, like with bike riding and even with mopeds, too. Mm -hmm. I found myself because I moped a lot of places and it's like it doesn't really matter if it's raining or cold. It's just the matters of if people feel safe. So if there is like separate lanes that are whatever. So anyway, I just think about that and like how the U.S., was really like Europe for, you know, in that we built like a lot of like downtown areas and we had streetcars and it was easier and all that stuff. And then we undid it for cars and redlining and all that bullshit. And then now we're in a place where like, there's a, a lot of people who are trying to get us back to like, and I feel like people like that shit. Like we don't think about it, but it's like, People enjoy going to places where there's a downtown, you know, walking around. And I just don't think you should have to get in a car to buy milk or to, you know what I mean? And yeah. I feel like um, a lot of the country is moving there naturally. So that is just an interest that I have. I'm in no it. way a Bloomberg fan, but I will say the way that he sort of opened up places like Times Square and really like committed to increasing our bike lanes. I feel like I personally felt the benefit um, from uh, that's that's my that's the full entirety of my Bloomberg appreciation. In one of my 80 million jobs, I was a tour guide in um, like Times Square area. And it was basically like Disney wanted to be. So now they make it illegal. Like, you know, what? Times Square. This is fucking crazy. Times Square. It's illegal to like all the lights that you see. Like that's like you have to do that. Otherwise, like you get fined thousands and thousands of dollars. And that, and because of that, Times Square is like two degrees warmer than everywhere else in the city every day because of all the lights and screens and panels. And it's because uh -huh. like they wanted to basically turn the light on because Times Square used to be the red light district and there used to be sex work and all that stuff. So I'm sure Liz, you probably hung out there. But I'm kidding. Oh, I <laughs> sex I sex did. working for oh, sure. Right, like, <laughs> there was something called the Minnesota strip y'all uh, on, on Times Square. And I had a friend who worked the Minnesota strip. Um, so. Yeah. So that was like Disney wanted to be able to make it a tourist destination, like a family destination, literally what's happening now. But yeah, like so they had all these lights put in so that no like sketchy activity. And I mean, to be fair, it worked right. It looks like a fucking mom. Now I'm just like, why are there cars in Times Square? Yeah. Why yeah. are there cars there? Yeah. We don't yeah. need car like we don't people need should cars. just be able to walk around that hellhole anyway. <laughs> Um, we have to go. I hate that. But tell <laughs> folks, I know it's been so fun. Tell folks where they can find you and what you've got coming up that you want people to know about besides your awesome podcast, which we will plug the fuck out of. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Millie Tamarez. Um, you know, my whatever handle thing is like lactose intolerant. I have a disease where I cannot um, process whackness. 
Um, I my tw- my Instagram is Millie underscore Tamaris. Don't do at Millie Tamaris because that's a weirdo who made a fake account. But um, people of color don't get verified on Instagram. But that's a whole other fight for Meta. And on Ju- uh, July thirtieth, July thirtieth, double checked. We have a Duchess <laughs> sub live show at caveat and it will i will be hosting it and it will be great we will kiki laugh about the news and cry and we'll have some great interviews and all that and then i also have a podcast coming out with like bowen and matt rogers and will ferrell's company and that's going to be a lot of fun that's not going to be news it's going to be me doing a satirical wendy williams breakfast club kind of um when i finish editing it which <laughs> which based on my calendar girl i don't know but no it'll, it'll launch uh spring summer june does any any real housewives of atlanta fans here uh spring so- she by sheree no somebody's gonna get it and then you can be, I, mean, I get that one okay. that was her house yeah, that said, took forever to be built um no it was the, her her um. line it's like when is your line recent uh spring Summer, September. That's when it's going to yeah. That is when that podcast is coming out. Uh, when you have to come back out when that comes out because we want to talk more about that. We love you. I hope to see you soon. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you guys got to come on the pod sometime. We yes, would please. love to. And you got to come out on the road with us when we're fighting bad guys and doing comedy. I would love to come on the road with y'all. All right. Well, that's the date. Uh, Millie, yeah. thank you so much. Thank you. Check out the Betches Up podcast and follow Millie on all the socials, Millie Tamaris on Twitter and Millie underscore Tamaris on Instagram and TikTok. Thanks, Millie. Also, it's hilarious because that those are her handles, but her her headline is um, lactose intolerance because she can't she can't tolerate anybody yeah. whack, as she said in the interview, but it just makes me laugh every time. Um, that's our show. Oh my goodness, that is our show. Thank you again, Millie, for joining us. And thank you, Renee Bracey Sherman. And I am so excited that Renee will be with us on Operation Save Abortion on July 17th. As Moji said, she's going to be on two panels. It's going to be awesome. If you haven't signed up, uh, operationsaveabortion.com and then follow the work of We Testify on Instagram, Abortion Stories on Twitter, and at Renee Bracey Sherman on all the socials. Thanks so much for listening. We face some really hard times ahead, but we are in this together. We got you. Subscribe, write a review, give us five stars. It's the best way for our podcast to reach more people. And by doing so, you are helping more people learn about this assault on abortion access. To keep up on all the latest repro news, follow us on social at Abortion Front on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. FBK Live is edited by Remy de Tournay and is produced by Abortion Access Front. Activism alert. Big fat reminder for July 17th. Operation Save Abortion. It's not a march. It's your training day. Sign up at OperationSaveAbortion.com. That's right. And Moji, Marie, and I are all on panels, and it's going to be really, really awesome. So you can really, really hear us deep diving and talking about a lot of stuff. Another piece of activism that's very exciting is that Whole Women's Health Alliance, and I have to caveat, I am on the 
board of Whole Women's Health Alliance is crowdfunding now to open up a new clinic in New Mexico so that they can help patients in Texas, Oklahoma, and Arizona access care in their region. Since all of those three states are shit shows, two of those states are providing no care right now. Let's make this happen. Whole Women's Health Alliance is incredible. Donate now. I'm not going to tell you the GoFund site, but we're putting the link in the show notes. It's really incredible. And a self-promotion. I'll be doing a show in Duluth, Minnesota, September 15th at the West Theater. Ticket link is in the show notes. You know, if you want to just come and like shit talk (laughs) the world that we're living in, I'll be doing it in Duluth on September 15th. Next week, we will be joined by Oriako Njoku, co-founder and executive director of Access Reproductive Care Southeast, and soon to be the executive director of the National Network of Abortion Funds. Leader of the band Tigers and Monkeys and the co-host of We Don't Even Know podcast, Shanali Bomick, will also be with us. And lastly, join our Patreon. You'll get great content and get cool FBK merch and experiences. Wink, wink. All pledges support this pod and all our activism at Abortion Access Front. Pledge at patreon.com slash feminist buzzkills. And we leave you with a man who shows his whole ass and then the ass of the guy next to him and the ass of every single person sitting in the pews. Until next week, bye-bye. Uh, you know, really, I think the more appropriate title would be Ho versus Wade. Ho versus Wade. And let me defend my use of the word ho from the pulpit. Lest there anybody out there, you know, gets too squeamish about the fact that I would use, you know, a word like ho from the pulpit. You know, and I'm not talking about the garden tool, okay? I'm, I'm talking about a whore. Okay, let me, you say that's not a biblical term. Well, it's really an abbreviation for the word whore, which is a biblical word, and which is a word that I will continue to use. Feminist Buzzkills Live, the podcast from Abortion Access Front. If you want to support our podcast and all the work of Abortion Access Front, like, subscribe, and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash feminist buzzkills.